I want you to turn to Second Thessalonians 3. And I really have it, I know as a missionary, you, you probably expect some, a mission, just every message to be mission oriented or whatever. And I haven't done any of that this week. But as we come to our final service tonight, I want to go in that direction, not so much to challenge you about missions uh, that your pastor does. But I ask you to pray for us. And what I want to you to do, what I want to do tonight and for all of us is to look in the scripture. And when I ask you to pray for us, I want to show you from the scripture how you can pray for us. And look at what the Bible has to say and how you can pray for us. Second Thessalonians 3, just one verse, and that's verse 1. Many of you stand. You may do so as we honor his word. But I want you to notice this one verse. We will walk through it. And I hope tonight that when we leave that not only your heart is stirred about souls, but you have an appreciation for how to pray for those who are serving him. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, Paul is writing as a missionary when he writes these words, and he says to the church at Thessalonica, pray for us. And he said, pray for us, what? That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. How do you pray for us or for a missionary? Thank you. you may be seated. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I stop to give you thanks for the days that we've had together. I thank you, Lord, for Walridge Baptist Church. I thank you for Pastor Weber. What a special blessing they have been to us all of these years. Lord, they are part of everything, more so than they even realize of how big of a part they have played in the ministry there on the reservation and in the lives of the Lakota people. We ask you, Lord, to bless them, not only for what they have done for us and do for us, but what they do for others. But thank you, Lord, for all the things, the love and the kindness they have shown to us all this week. I just ask you, Lord, that you will honor their spirit of giving and love. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the church. It's been encouraging to be here this week and to see what you are doing. Continue to bless them. We ask you, Lord, to not forget us on the reservation and for along the Lakota people, that as long as we can, that we'll be able to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we lift your word to up tonight and ask you that you might bless it. Just like you took a lunch one day of a little lad and you blessed it and you break it and you fed the people. Would you take your word and bless it and break it to our understanding tonight that we might be helped through the word of God. Thank you again for loving us and may redeeming love always be our theme till we die. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen. As I said, when Paul writes these words in Second Thessalonians, 
He's writing them from the perspective of a missionary. And Paul was a missionary, someone that had been sent by God and sent by the church to take the gospel to those who had not heard the gospel and to reach all that he could with the gospel. Someone said that on his first missionary journey, he traveled more than 1,400 miles. On his second missionary journey, he traveled over 2,800 miles. And on his third, around 2,700 miles. Over the course of what we estimate to be about 35 years, Paul traveled over 13,000 miles, which is equivalent to halfway around the world. And that was a time when they didn't have cars, they didn't have trains, they didn't have airplanes. Every mile would have been made by walking or selling. But over 13,000 miles taking the gospel to regions that did not have the gospel. You think about Paul. If you were to rank missionaries, he'd be at the very top. And he rises head and shoulders above everyone else. And there is a large gap between him and whoever we would put on the second run. You see, when you look at Paul, he depicts the missionary model. He defines the missionary mandate. And he declares the missionary message. He was, without any question or debate, the greatest missionary that ever lived. But when we look at him in 2 Thessalonians 3, he has one simple request. He's asking people to pray for him. And I want us to look tonight at what he asked and the request that he asked to help us all tonight and trust that it will help you to know how to pray for us and to know how to pray for a missionary. Let's walk through the text and three simple little thoughts. Let's begin by noticing the partners Paul seeks. There is the partners that Paul is seeking. He says to the believers at Thessalonica, Finally, brethren, pray for us. He's asking the believers at this church to pray for him. He's seeking prayer partners, you might say. He's wanting those that will join him and lift him up to God in prayer. Just like Aaron and her held up the hands of Moses, Paul was saying, I need you to hold my hands up in prayer. Again, his simple request, pray for us, indicated that he wanted and needed people to pray for him. Now look a little closer at what he had to say. And you see the importance of prayer partners. When he talked about, I need you to pray for me, we see how important it was to Paul. You notice he said, finally, brethren. Now that word finally there means much more than he was coming to a conclusion in his letter. It's like a preacher saying, oh, let me close. And we know what that means. It don't mean anything. I mean, we say, well, I'm going to close, and 45 minutes later, we're still going. Well, Paul said, finally, brethren. Again, it's more than I am about to conclude my letter. The word that he uses here is a word that speaks of the rest of the matter or the latest issue at hand. He is concluding his letter. 
But it's like he's saying to them, now I have one more issue that I want to talk to you about. He's talked to them about various things, important things, but he comes to the end and he said, there's one more thing that I need to mention to you and one more thing that is very, very important. This is the last issue at hand. I've spoken to you about other matters, but I have one more thing that I need you to do, and that is, brethren, I need you to pray for us. I think about prayer in the life of a missionary in our lives. I remember pastoring years ago, and I'd hear missionaries say, more than we need your money, we need your prayers. And I thought to myself, they really don't mean that. But finding myself on the other end, I understand what they they meant. And when I say tonight, more than anything, and of course, every missionary needs your money. We couldn't go to the field if it wasn't for the money that God's people give. And we couldn't serve and we couldn't be on a reservation if it were not for your financial support. But I mean this, more than your money, we need your prayers. Because you understand tonight that everything depends upon what God does. It has nothing to do with our personalities. One thing I learned on the reservation very quick is that it has nothing to do with your style. It has nothing to do with your personality. You're living and serving a people that know nothing. And so it has none of our traits that we deem so important here in the South. No, it's what God does and only what God does if there's anything that's going to happen. And you know that all movements of God are traced to a kneeling figure. It's like Jonathan Goforth, the great missionary to China. He said all movements of God or the spirit in China within our experience can be traced to prayer. And that is true. Paul said, I need you to pray for me because he understood how critical it was that people were calling his name out to God. That if God was going to do anything, it was because people prayed. And that's true not only on the mission field, that's true here tonight. That if God is going to do anything in our midst, it will not be because of our location. I mean, I remember growing up in all the church growth growth conferences, and they talk about location, 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 and all this. I want to jump and scream, God, 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 because it's not where you're at. It's who's there that makes all the difference. And we need you to pray for us. He said, pray for us, how important it was. But notice the involvement of prayer partners. He says to them, finally, my brethren, that is the last very important thing I need to say in closing. I need you to pray for us. And he talks about his brethren praying for him. What he's asking for is God's people to partner with him in prayer. He's saying, will you join me in prayer? He's asking his spiritual family to pray for him. The word pray that he uses there is a word that is translated other places in the Bible as supplicate or supplication. Paul talked about be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. In Ephesians 6.18, praying always with prayer and supplication. If you look at the word supplication, it's a word that has the ideal of something that is lacking. 
And the ideal is of need, a need that exists there. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, brethren, I need you to pray for us. I need you to pray for the needs in our life. I need you to lift us up and pray about the needs that we have in our life and the needs that we have in our ministry. That's what supplication is. He said, I need you to pray for us. Lift us up and all of our needs before God. In fact, every word in the Bible is absolutely critical. And the little word for, pray for us, is a word that literally means to attach yourself to something or to surround yourself with something. And what Paul is saying, I need you to surround me in prayer. I need you to attach yourself to us and cling to us and lift us up. Not just mention us in passing, but attach yourself to us and surround yourself uh, uh, with uh, surround us with yourself and just bombard heaven's throne for God to meet our needs. I remember a few years ago, Kyla Rowland wrote that song, A Wall of Prayer. And some of you may remember it. She said there are walls made by man, built by frail and human hands that the enemy can scale and get to you. But there is one protecting me from my greatest enemy. It's a wall that Satan can't break through. Sometimes a wall of grace, sometimes a wall of faith, other times it's sweet mercy that I need. But the one for which I long that makes all others strong, I need a wall of prayer surrounding me. And that's what Paul was saying. He's asking them to get involved. It's important, he says, pray finally, brethren. This is important. I need you to pray for me. And what I need you to do is to surround me with your prayers. And lift me up in prayer. I remember years ago, one of our missions Sunday, Dr. Thurman Wade was with us. And he pulled out of his Bible a prayer card. And he held it up for everybody to see. Well, most everybody across the building could not see the card. But it was almost black. And with little bitty X's that was on that prayer card. And it was one of his prayer cards from years past. And it had been found in a lady's Bible. She had passed away and her daughter had found it in her Bible and brought it to Dr. Wade and gave it to him. And again, on both sides, it was almost black. Every time she ever called his name out to prayer, she put a little bitty X on that prayer card. And it was literally, as I said, almost black with little bitty X's marking every time she had lifted his name up to God in prayer. That's what I'm talking about. How do you pray for a missionary? You attach themself, uh, yourself to them. You surround them in prayer. You lift them up. It is so vital. It is so critical. I came across an acronym for the word bless on how to pray for missionaries one time. Like B is for body. You pray for the physical health of the missionaries. And uh, I we joke about it all the time. I, I I had good physical health till I went on Medicare. Now every time I go to the doctor, they find something wrong with me. 
You know what it is? I told Sherry one day, I said, I think they see a free source of money. It's got me where I, I'm scared to go to the doctor anymore. They're going to find something else wrong with me. But missionaries do need you to pray for their physical health. L is for labor. Pray for the work of the missionary. Uh, e is for emotions. Pray for the emotional and the well-being of the missionary. S is for social. Pray for the social relationships of the missionaries, their families, their marriages. And S is for spiritual. Pray for the spiritual life of the missionary. I've often encouraged people to, you get the little prayer cards, and normally they are five by sevens. And I've encouraged people over the years to get you a little photo album, a little five by seven photo album. And collect you 30, 31 missionary cards and put them in that little photo album. And on the first day of the month, pray for that missionary. And the next day, pray for the next one. And that way, every day of the year, for a solid month, you're praying for that missionary. And start it all over again. Paul said, this is the partners that he was seeking. I need you to join with me in prayer. I need you to lift me up in prayer. But notice, second of all, Not only the partners that he sought, but the petitions that he shared. You see, he not only says, I want you to pray for me, but he specifically gives them things to pray for and to pray about. He said, I, brethren, finally, my brethren, he said, pray for us that the word of God or the word of the Lord may have free course. He not only says, I need you to lift me up, surround me with your prayers, constantly calling our name out to God. But he said, I want you to pray that the word of the Lord may have free course. The word of the Lord. It's talking about a message that originated from God himself. And that is our message. It's not a political message. It's not a social message. We have but one message, and that is the Bible, the Word of God, and the story of Christ. But he said, pray that the Word of the Lord may have free course. Look at that statement there, may have free course. You look at the words, and you see in those the race that he was running. You see that words, free course? Two words in our Bible that actually comes from one word that speaks about running, a course. You get the word course, you get the picture, the image of a runner running in a race. Actually, the word was used in a couple of ways. One, it was used to describe a runner running in a stadium, a course, a lane assignment. And there was a lane they were to run in. There was a race they were to run. And Paul, when he talked about it, he's thinking of himself as a runner in a race. And the ideal is that he is in a race to preach the gospel to as many people as he can and to everywhere he can. You see, getting people saved was not a part of Paul's life. It was his life. And he lived, for one thing, consumed with getting the gospel to everybody that he could. And like a runner in his race, he had poured his life out. You see, a runner, he makes that final turn in the picture and the image. You see that runner making the final turn, and there is the tape in front of him. And he's not going down there waving at the crowd or stopping to get his picture made. No, he's leaving everything on the track. 
He is pouring himself into it. His lungs are screaming. His muscles are burning. He is giving everything in that final stretch. And Paul, he is saying that I have poured myself into doing everything I can to get people saved. It's like a runner in a race. It was also used to speak of a messenger in battle that would go behind the enemy line to carry vital instructions to the others on the other side. Paul not only saw himself as a runner competing for the souls of men, but as a messenger carrying a divine message to a lost world. And that message is the word of the Lord. Paul saw himself going into enemy territory. He's going in the lands and places where idolatry and pagan religions were the norm. But he had been sent to take a divine message into enemy territory. He's talking about giving everything, giving his life. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. That as we carry that message, that as we pour our lives into trying to get people saved. And as we take it into enemy territory, pray that God will help us. We understand that now. We live on the reservation. And we live and there's times when there is a darkness. It's hard to explain. Especially in July during the Sundance season. And you can sense a darkness that is there. And there's an oppression that is there. And we're thankful for how hearts have been opened to the gospel. But yet, we are in enemy territory. We understand that. And we go there. And like an Indian, they often refer to white man in Christianity as the white road. And they'll often speak about they're on the red road. And anybody with Christianity is on a white road, white man being the one that brought the gospel to him in the very beginning. But we're not on a red road and we're not on a white road. It is God's road and we're taking the gospel and doing all that we can to reach others. There was the race that he was running, but there's also the pace that he was running. The tense of the words indicate a constant and a continuous race. This is not a Tuesday night thing. This is my whole life. Paul said, I've given literally everything. I have poured every waking minute into getting the gospel to as many as I can. I live my life. My whole life is about taking the gospel where it has not been heard. It was a constant, continual thing. It's like Paul was saying, pray for us that Not only that we run a good race, a course, but that we are able to keep the pace up that the course is demanding of us. Pray that we'll be able to have what we need, the strength to be able to get the message out. And I think about it in our lives. And I don't mean this in any way to draw sympathy or attention to us. But as we're getting where we years when Everybody mostly was thinking about retiring. We have worked the hardest in the last 11 years of our life than we had worked at any other time in our life. Day and night, seven days a week, something there constantly calling your name. And I admit to you, there are times that I become tired. Sherry gets tired. We need you lifting us up. 
Because I don't want to lay down the cross. We're too near the crown to lay down the cross. We need you to pray for us and to lift us up and keep us before the throne of God. He says, pray that the word of the Lord may have free course. There's a petition that he shares. But look at the third thing. There was the purpose that he states. For he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. And notice his statement. And be glorified even as it is with you. He not only asked them to pray. And tells them how he wants them to pray. But he also tells them why he wants them to pray for the things he's asking for. I love this word glorified. The image behind the word translated glorified is that of a general of another country. Marching into enemy territory and conquering the enemy and planting the flag of his country. In this country and bringing that country under the control of another. And Paul talking about it being glorified. He's talking about going into enemy territory and planting the flag of Jesus Christ and conquering new territory for Christ, bringing others under a new kingdom and under a new Lord and under a new authority. He says, pray that the word of the Lord will be glorified. That's what going into enemy territory. It's what we're trying to do on the reservation. We went there 11 years ago, taking the cross of Christ and taking it to those who had never known and never known and heard and planting the flag of Jesus and telling them about him and then watching those that had been under the bondage of sin and Satan come under a new Lord with a new life. He says, pray that it might be glorified, that my kingdom be expanded. He's describing the result of sharing God's word, even as it is with you. What he's saying is one day God brought you into his kingdom. One day God delivered you out of darkness and brought you into life. He delivered you out of death and brought you into life and light. Just as he's done it for you, we want to see him do it for others where they have never known, where they have never heard, even as it is with you. The result, but the reward of it is this basically. That he is going to get the glory. He's being glorified. His kingdom is being glorified. You see, the ultimate reward is not the souls that are saved. Although I rejoice, my crown of rejoicing. And I think about those, Larry, when he got saved in that tent meeting, and Paul that I mentioned there, and others, I think about some that I visited for three and four years before they ever came for the very first time. And they'd sit in there and sit in a service, service after service, Sunday after Sunday for a year, a year and a half. But then one Sunday morning, God, like an old shotgun, break them down. And here they come down the aisle just crying and weeping. Brother Ken, I want to be saved. That's what I'm talking about. That is a reward. But that is not the ultimate reward. You know what it's all about? 
It's all about him getting the glory that he might be glorified. Everything again, it's not about you. It's not about me. I'm not anything special because I'm on a mission field. It's not that at all. It's all of us finding our place, finding our lane to run in, doing the will of God, serving God as he so desires. But it's really not about us anyway. I know some of you, I disappoint you and you're about to cry. You thought, well, it's all about me. You know, the church, if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have a church over there. I'd do everything for them. If I ever left, it'd fall all to pieces. Well, if that's your attitude, best thing that ever happened is for you to leave and go somewhere else. And because it's not about me, it's not about you. It is all about him. And it's all about him getting the glory when it's all said and done. Our lives is to bring him glory, reaching others, him being glorified. That is the ultimate reward. That is the ultimate purpose in life. God is good to us. He lets us share in the blessings of serving him. But again, it is all about him getting the glory. Paul says, finally, my brethren. Pray for us. He's saying to us, I need you to pray for me. I ask you to pray for me. Attach yourself to me. Surround me with your prayers. Don't forget me. Lift us up. Pray for us. Pray that we'll run the race. We got so little time to do it. I don't know how you feel, but I believe we're in the last stretch of this thing. All of our life, we've all said he's coming soon. But I don't think it's any more evident than it is tonight. And what we're going to do for him, we must do now. Because I don't think we have a lot of time left to reach others for Christ. And we, there's time. He said, pray for us that I run this race. Pray that God will give me strength to run this race. Help me pray that God will let me conquer new territory. And claim new uh, people for him and bring them under his flag and that he will be glorified. That's what he's asking them to do. To Walridge Baptist Church, I know you pray for us. There have been times, and Cherry will tell you this, when we were overwhelmed with something. But yet in that hour, we knew somewhere. You could feel it. It's an experience I've never known in my life until being out there. But I knew somebody was praying. I'd be out working and there would come over me an overwhelming sense. Somewhere, somebody is lifting my name up to God and I knew that. And we ask you tonight, we love you, but this would be my parting words to you. Finally, my brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Let's stand to our feet, please. Will you pray for us tonight? Come and pray for us and lift us up as well as others and for each other. Oh, how we need to pray for one another. How we need to lift each other up in prayer. How we need God's help. We can't do it on our own. If it's going to be anything of eternal value done, then we must pray. 
It's the only way we'll see God touches and blesses is if we pray and pray for your church, for us, all these things. Our Father, in Jesus' name, 